Oh, you, Jim, you're there. Yes, I'm here. All right. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, now that I, it occurs to me that it's kind of funny we're doing a Twitter Spaces because you're one of the people I could literally talk to in the studio, like across the street from me. <laughs> <laughs> What's time. the deal with that? We could, yeah, we could do it uh, next time. Or better yet, we could do it at the White Sox game. That sounds good. It also kind of worries me, though. Now it sounds like maybe we are in the metaverse because we're close to each other, but choosing to interact in a digital realm. So maybe I should take my Bitcoin puts off. <laughs> <laughs> you still got the ETH rocking. What does that mean? Let's start there, Jim. Uh, at this point, like, uh, let's get straight into it. I tweeted out before this that, you know, I think today is one of the biggest days in history. That's the context. The Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates and probably give us a path to keep going on those interest rates in a way we haven't seen in an entire generation. 30 years of downtrend line on the 10-year yield TNX on the Thinkorswim platform is on the verge of breaking out of that downtrend if it goes higher from here. It's not a perfect line. You draw off a thick marker, but it works. Bitcoin's been holding its support, the COVID era support that it gained after breaking through 20,000 and then going to the moon, coming back down, failed breakout, now sitting on a trend line that's held for this entire 16 month COVID speculative realm that we've been in. So this is a huge day. Am I crazy, Jim? Or is this like a historic day? Well, it is a historic day, at least in terms of what's happening in interest rates and, and what's happening with Fed policy. Because let me throw out a couple of other statistics that please you. do. One of the charts, uh, one of the charts I sent you, the 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 bond market sell-off this year has become historic. Uh, you know the global aggregate index. This is an index that Bloomberg puts together of twenty-eight thousand bonds covering over $60 trillion worth of, of uh, market value mm -hmm. is down 11%. This Which year. is a lot. Bonds aren't supposed to do that. Oh, no. If bonds have a 2% decline, that's a disaster. Right. This is 11%. Yep. This is like 1932 for the uh, stock. So how come we haven't heard of any big bond that. managers blowing up? How come nobody's blowing up? How come we hear about the stock guys, Melvin Capital, who screwed up against the meme guys? We hear about uh, people who were faking it like Bill Wong or uh, people that are highly speculative beta players like Kathy Wood. But these are not bond blowups. If what you're saying is true, when do we see a bond bust? Well, the stock market might be indicating it because if you look at the KBW bank stock index or the Eurostock bank stock index, which is a, an index of, of bank stocks in Europe, mm -hmm. it's down 25%. Yes, banks have gotten creamed, so which nobody expected. Everybody thought they were supposed to go up. Exactly. This was supposed to be the moment they were supposed to go up yep. and they're getting cream. So what is it? So there's a there's a there's a fear. There's a fear out there about these losses. We also have had um, indications from hedge funds and some other uh, investors in the last several months that they've taken um, they've taken some uh, big uh, losses in the bond market. So we've had had some story. That said, I do think that the stress in the market is very high. The fixed income market is very high. Now, add on to that, Fed's going to go 50 basis points today. You, and they are going to give us, I think, indication that they're going to get more aggressive as we go forward from here. Possibly 75. In fact, I think they will move 75 basis points when? in June. June? <laughs> in June. Market says the that, right? Week. Right now, the market is slightly ahead of the Fed. Is that incorrect? Where are the Fed funds futures as they stand right now? in their June prediction. Are they saying 75 is a lock? 
Yeah, they're about 100% on 75%. Okay, so, but the Fed's not at 100%. So that's a big inaccuracy in the market right there. That's a big mispricing, right? The Fed has to get in line with the market right now. The market desires them to be more hawkish. Right. Now, keep in mind, it's 40 days away from the June meeting. Still, the market can still change its mind. Sure, but it as, as it stands at this moment, down. of course, market could go ballistic at any moment. We don't know why. But as it stands right now, the Fed is behind the market. The, 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 the reason the Fed is behind and the reason that, that there's been this struggle, and you see it right now in the market, you hear a lot of people saying, if the Fed raises rates, they're going to break things. Um, they want to break things. They, they, that's what they want. They want to see the stock market struggle. They want to see home prices come off the boil. They want to see people stop demanding things so that inflation comes down. Now, at the same time, you might ask, but won't, if the Fed raises rates aggressively, create unemployment? The Fed has said it won't. Now, whether that does is a different issue. But Paul at the March 16th meeting said that the market, that the, the labor market can handle the rate hikes. <clears throat> On April 20th, he's called the labor market unsustainably hot. What that is code word for, he will crush the stock market, but he's not going to create unemployment. By crushing the stock market, he's going to create, he's going to get you and me and everybody else to stop. Well, maybe I don't want to buy that new thing I want, a car or whatever thing I want to buy. I'll think twice about it. That should bring mm. prices down. Mm. That's what his goal is. Now, whether he's right on that, that he can go ahead and do 50 and do 75 and do 50 and do QT. And it will just produce. What about this myth that as soon as those stocks go down, he's going to turn around? How, Jim, how can you tell me that, that that's your view, but then be a pro crypto person with ETH in his name when ETH is correlated to Bitcoin and Bitcoin is inversely correlated to the market? You're telling me stocks are going to go down. How can I find your conviction when you have ETH in your name and the correlation right tells you that ETH is going to get destroyed if the Fed does, does what you're telling me? Well, you're right in, in that respect. So, if the Fed is going to do that, um, just a real quick on the first part of that, there's a there's a still people are struggling. Oh well, the Fed won't do that because they'll 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 break the economy. The Fed's goal is inflation. You're on your own when it comes to real growth. You're on your own when it comes to the stock market. My goal, the Fed's goal, that is, is inflation. And the only thing that would stop them is either inflation breaks. Or we see signs of okay. First, we have to define uh, break. You've got a great point. Let's break it down. How do you define break? When does it to what anything above two percent? How that's a dream. When do we get back to two percent? Is that even possible? Any event that would cause the Fed to say we have to stop hiking right now that's what break is. I don't think we're close to that now. What do you think the stock market threshold is? NASDAQ's down 20 percent. Kathy Wood's down 65%. Where's the Fed's threshold then? How come that hasn't paused him? Or will we hear today that he's bothered by markets? Because so far, he's told us for a year. He didn't care about bonds. When he told Nick Timoros last spring, 2021, right before all the growth stuff peaked, he told Nick Timoros he didn't care about the 10-year yield running, sprinting to 1.7%. The big, big bond blowup that everybody said was stupid to compare to the taper tantrum. It was statistically extremely rare. And he was fine with volatility then. And the last two meetings he's communicated to us, he has no problem with stocks. So what is this theory that the stock market is going to make J-PAL stop? 
It's not. You're right. You know, to use the phrase that the uh, Wall Street uses, the Fed put, the strike price for the put, where does it get them to stop, is way lower than we ever thought it was going to be. Now, there's other things that could get them to stop. A plumbing problem, you know, a blow up, some kind of a repo. Bingo. So that brings us right back to where we started. Who's the bond manager? Is there any good bond manager that even exists? Who are we looking for? Who to blow up here? Mohamed Alarian doesn't manage bonds anymore. He's on TV all the time. Who right. are you looking for? You know, and, and, well, it would probably have to be a levered participant in the market is what you'd be looking for. Okay. So you wouldn't be saying, well, Vanguard or PIMCO are going to blow up because they're not levered. What about like the people that run TBT inverse bond funds or something? Well, they're making money because they... they're making money, but levered players on the other side. Levered players. I'm thinking, well, the big levered players, the really big levered players, obviously, are banks and brokers. Okay. Those are because they own bonds. Mm-hmm. And they own bonds on leverage because the nature of fractional banking is that you're levered. Mm. So that's why the stock market has been just decimating the bank stocks mm-hmm. and decimating the financial exactly. stocks. Exactly. Because there at that moment when everybody here. thought they were going to do well because yields were going up. And by the way, the yield, everybody talks about the yield right. curve getting flattened. There's one guy to trust on that from Duke, Campbell Harvey. And he says it's 10 years to 90 days. And that's the yield curve that's going up. So we can't even really blame this uh, yield curve on the margins as the big bank's problems. Yes. Because the yield curve that supposedly matters is actually going up. So there's something else going on. Right. But that yield curve is going to change a lot because, because, you know, with those very, very short rates, the Fed's going to raise 50. They may raise 75 in June. They may raise 50 in July. That means that that yield curve should flatten 175 basis points in the next through 90 days, unless you tell me that 10-year yields are on their way to 4%, which I don't think they are. Mm. So you're going to see a massive flattening. How, now, hold on. How, how come you don't think they're going – hold on. How, how come you don't think they're going to 4%? You sound very convicted in that. When I tweeted out before this, you called the bottom to uh, either the day or the week when we spoke in Chicago on the TD Ameritrade Network. And I asked you, I said, is this, this is the bottom end? You said it was in. You nailed it to possibly within five or six days. So are you telling me now that you don't think the tenure is going to go through 4%? Because if you're saying that, then we should be listening. You were as right as anybody right. has now, been. You were as right as anybody was. Some people gave you shit online, and that was bullshit. Seriously, because I've known you for a while, and you said on my show, the week when yields bottomed out, you called it. Now, you, you're right. So if you're telling uh, me now the yield doesn't go to 4%, walk us through it more, because we need to listen. First of all, the tenure yields at 3 Close. I don't think it goes to four. That's what yeah, I'm saying. That's pretty close. Up. It looks like we break through three percent that downtrend line. Why doesn't it go to four? Well, yeah. You know, by the way, on that on that respect, the do you disagree uh, with the chart? The number to watch. No, I don't disagree with okay. the chart. The number to watch. The number to watch on the ten-year yield is three twenty-five because it hit exactly three twenty-five in May of twenty eighteen mm-hmm. since nineteen eighty. We have been in a period, technically speaking, of lower highs and lower lows on the 10-year yield, and it's 345 on the 30-year yield. Mm -hmm. We have not made a higher high in 40 years. Now, if we go- Okay, so you see the chart. (laughs) It's not hard to see. If we go go through 325, which is 27 basis points away, or 345 on the 30-year, which is about 40 basis points away, We'll have the first higher high in 40 plus okay. years. And that is the basic definition 
of we are now in a multi-year uptrend. I think we get that. Right. Okay. I think we get so, that much. But 4% sounds like you're more. telling me it's going to 4%. No, I don't think it's going to go to 4 but let me be let me be more. Nah. I'm going to try You're getting to real precise on the chart, though. I, you're trying to take like 30 years and make a two or three months, you know, or I don't know. What's the timeline you're thinking? Okay, that's important. What's the timeline, Jim, for 4%? Right. You're saying right. never? Over the next few months. No, but what I'm trying to, what I'm, what I'm nuancing is short rate, the two-year year. Mm -hmm. That sucker's going straight up, and it's right. going up in a big way. Okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And the yield curve will invert. Okay, so recession. You the believe the curve. You think the 10 to 90 days is going to go back around? Because right now the 10 to 90 days. Yes. Okay, so that one's going to turn back yes, around, you because think? Because the Fed's going to... The, the Fed's going to raise rates like crazy. Now, this is you. This is not unusual. This is the way the curve works. You get to a point where the ten-year yield will go up very modestly. Short rates will go vertical. The curve will invert. Why do ten rates, ten-year rates, go up modestly? Because there's a bit of a risk-off concern. Right, yeah, yeah. We're going to go into a recession. Yep. We're going to break something. Even though I'm losing money in the ten-year, it's only going to lose me three percent. Mm -hmm. It's only going to lose me four percent from here forward. And if, if something breaks, it'll make me money. But if I sit in stocks, I can lose 20. Right, yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll play, I'll, 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 I'll rotate into the tenure on the belief that, that bad things are going to happen. Yep. And that's what I think is going to, while the yield will continue to go up, mm -hmm. it's the front end where you're going to see yields go up a lot. Okay. And that will invert the yield. How close are we to that? Now, can, I, can I answer the question about yes. ETH and about Absolutely. Bitcoin? Because it tells me that the scenario you're describing know. sounds terrible for high-risk speculative assets right now. They're doing worse in the stock market. Because the situation you're describing to me is like the worst possible one for the stock market. It is rates going up, depressing valuations, and it's the economic risk-off case you just mentioned about the long yield, which means we have recession risk, which is about as bad as it gets for stocks. Why would suddenly, after six months and actually a year of tightening correlations between crypto and the stock market, crypto used to be correlated to the 10-year yield? And it switched this year. You yeah. can see it clearly. It switched to stocks. Why would it suddenly turn around and go back as the 10-year yield, you're telling me, is making a historic breakout move? It won't. And I don't – and I'm not very high on the idea that crypto is going to break out. Okay, whoa, that's huge, Jim. Over the next seven Okay, months. now that's huge. Now but you're giving me gold time. here, Jim Bianco. Tell me about that, okay? Yeah. That's what people want to hear. A guy who's got ETH in the name, who's got the blue laser eyes, you're telling me that you don't see crypto breaking out in, what, seven to nine months? Yeah, I don't. I think crypto has. It's been struggling for a year. It will probably continue to struggle as we move forward from here. Why? Because of the big adoption. Here's the problem. Why is it so correlated to stocks? Let's, Oliver. Let's talk about how the world. Well, hold on, hold on, Jim. Jim, Somebody, hold on. You got to go through me with the with the specific chart logic, though, Jim, because you're telling me. That, uh, that right now you've got the ETH and the laser eyes on, but crypto is not going to, because you're a pro crypto guy. I'm not like bringing you on as, right. a, as a crypto bear and you're telling me you're, you don't see it breaking out for nine months. That's huge for people who are right now down from the highs three times as much as they are if they were in the worst performing tech fund. And you're saying they got to wait another nine months? Yes, but I think that when- Do you think people have that conviction? Comes, it's going to be. Do you think the coiners have that I conviction? The coiners at what price level? Of the coiners at what price level do you think oh. ETH or Bitcoin bottom out in this cycle, Jim? Give me something here. Oh, I don't think you know. Last are you saying they don't go up or they go down? Right, last year's low in ETH was seventeen hundred. I don't think we take that out. You don't think we take but out I last year's low in ETH? No, but I do. I wouldn't be surprised if we do go under. You know, revisit two thousand on ETH. You know, and so. 
<coughs> we could, it's 2,700 right now, 30,000 on the, um, on the SEP, 30,000 on Bitcoin, I think can be revisited. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. revisit. Everybody knows it's going to revisit. Yeah. Come on, come on. 30,000, I got Gareth Soloway yeah. telling me that, and he's nailed every single move for months. So if he's telling me that he sees a very likely 30K test coming, that can't be news to anybody. So if you, so, are you bullish? No, no. Are you, do you think Bitcoin's going to, I mean, we're almost there. So I, I'm having trouble here following between the stock market view going down, but how does crypto suddenly come back? What causes that, Jim? What's that catalyst to suddenly break that correlation? Crypto, crypto will, crypto is going to, I think the, the, there's an old adage in markets that they move to the level of most frustration or the most confusion. Mm -hmm. What's going to frustrate everybody mm -hmm. in the crypto mm -hmm. Go sideways? Sideways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Sideways. Yeah, good point. Because if it goes, if, 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 if Bitcoin wants to go down to 10, you're going to get at 10,000, you're going to get all the coiners piling in at 10 because they're going to think it's the buy of a life. Sure. Yeah. But it doesn't do that. If it breaks out, you'll get all the momentum guys, but it doesn't do that. It meanders sideways mm -hmm. and frustrates everybody. Mm -hmm. That's what I think it's going to Interesting. do. But because it's crypto, it's because it's crypto, it's got this gigantic <laughs> Hey, I'll give you credit. That That's a bold call. That's a bold call. I'll give you credit. That's a bold call because right now, every asset is either going up or down. Crude oil has about five days before it has to pick a direction out of its descending triangle. It's either going to crash or it's going to boom. NASDAQ just broke through low, so it looks like we're deep in trend there. If you're telling me that amid all of these volatile swings, crypto is suddenly going to become that safe haven they've been desiring. If that happens, it's a massive call. So can we say that this is the time to test this thesis? Inflation, yeah, I think we're banks in trouble, ETH and Bitcoin love all that stuff, right? Right. And I see, because I think coming out of this, I've been, uh, what I've argued for the long term is you're right. The correlation between crypto and TradFi is very high. That shouldn't be the case, but it is. Mm -hmm. Why is it the case? And this is where I can say, let's get real. You've got institutional adoption. But what does that mean in English, institutional adoption? Some institutional investor opens a Coinbase institutional account or an Abe institutional account and buys some Bitcoin. Mm. And then they turn to their technology analyst and they say, you're a crypto guy now. Mm. And he treats it like it's a levered version of ARK because he doesn't know any okay. difference at that What will point. convince now, him otherwise? Eventually, well, I think a learning curve will convince them otherwise. And when you start getting more money coming into this space, that isn't just chasing the, the you beta know, play. Isn't just chasing the same. Okay. Yeah, the beta. So then what's That's the low point. beta? Okay, so then what's like the most? You really believe it's ether? Then you think Ethereum will be this low beta peaceful crypto? And then what happens to Bitcoin? Who has told us that's their story? No, I think Bitcoin is that low. You know, you know, if you want to go deep into the crypto space, I think that what you're seeing out of the Terra blocks, out of the Terra uh, space with UST and the um, and, and, and the and the and the Luna Financial Guard uh, that is buying Bitcoin as its reserve asset against the UST stablecoin, that to me is a big game changer because that is giving a major use case for Bitcoin. Mm. It's going to be the anchor for a lot of these stable coins. And this is now all of a sudden, we're starting to see the potential birth of a decentralized stable coin. This is how much the, is that market cap the, relative to crypto market cap right now at like one and a half trillion? How, how much market cap are the, the stable coins? The stable coins are about uh, about 200, a little less, about 190 billion. Okay. The, the, you only got about 30 billion of them that are in the decentralized coins 
being Frax and UST, but they're 10x from a year ago. As what, okay. And so they're growing fast. But what you. But they're not. So if they're growing 10x, it's, it's not that stable. Well, the, the, the price has been okay. Stable. So they've stable achieved the stability. Their dollar so how does an everyday trader make money? Um, if, if you think that the big thing for crypto right now is going to be the stable coin, how does an everyday trader make money doing that? Well, you, you, an everyday trader could basically, you know, you could buy you could buy some of these coins and stake them and get 20 percent if that's what you want to do. Or you could stake them and get into the high team okay. if you want to move into the DeFi world. But what I'm trying to point out is that what we might be seeing is this is the birth of a real stable DeFi universe. We created it. We had DeFi summer in 2020. Mm -hmm. Now with these stable coins coming, we've got a new financial system being built then this becomes into focus. If it works, it could still blow up. Mm -hmm. It's a high-risk proposition. But then we've got this financial system that's coming into focus. Then crypto should break its correlation. So should we look for like... And move on. So I think this is an interesting full circle because basically we come back to kind of looking for traditional financial managers who are getting hurt and looking for that as a sign of when they might become more tolerant of just uh, looking past the beta of this particular asset at the moment. Well, I agree. And by the way, history has shown when you said, who's been blowing up in traditional financial markets? Mm -hmm. And I said, look, the stress is high and it's growing and no one has blown up yet. Typically what happens is somebody or a couple of people blow up, everybody shits their mm -hmm. pants and that's the low. Do you so the mm. fact that no one's blown up doesn't mean Except, it's low. Right. But ultimately, I think some of the stock people are blowing up. Bill Wong and those people, right. that, that jig is up. Right. But that wasn't really rates driven. Right. And of course, the, and of course the, the, the banks and the brokers are under tremendous stress because of what's been going on with their, with their prices as well, too. So we'll see where this goes. And I also want to come back to the Fed meeting. And if there's something to pay attention to, in the Fed meeting, I said it before, I want to emphasize it. Listen to Paul talk about the labor market. Yeah. If he says nice things about the labor market, it's in good shape, it can handle it, it's unsustainably hot. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is, I can jam rates much higher without creating unemployment. If he starts to waver on the labor market, there's some concern, you know, you know things are starting to normalize, whatever, whatever language he uses. Mm -hmm. Now he's saying, I can't raise rates as aggressively because I might create unemployment. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know what keywords to listen to, listen to his, his characterizations of the labor right. market. Because that's the thing that will hold. Which we just learned has 11 and a half million jobs and Lyft has to incentivize their drivers. Lo and behold, the company has to pay its employees. So it seems like. <laughs> and Paul, Paul has pointed that out in the past. We have got an unusual circumstance we have 11 and a half million jobs open in the United right. States and we have 6 million unemployed. We've never had anything close to that before. Yep. And so what Paul thinks is, great, I could jam rates and jam rates. And if I blow away 5 million jobs, there's still 6 million open jobs for 6 million unemployed people. Mm -hmm. you know, and so that's why mm -hmm. the market freaked out in the month. How much? Because it started to realize the Fed is going to go hard. Yeah. Because the Fed thinks they're not going to create unemployment. If he starts wavering on that, that can be a game changer. But that's what I'm going to be listening for when he Do talks. Do you think there's characteristics of the labor any market. evidence right now that um, there's any sign of that changing? I mean, as we just pointed out, that uh, latest jolts is I mean, the highest ever. So it seems like we should assume that everything that's been happening is still in trend until 
that data shows otherwise? Is it jolts that we need to see go the other way? Yeah, I think it's 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 jolts. I think it, it's going to be the payroll report on Friday. You know, if it disappoints uh, in a big way, you know, anything that would suggest that the labor market is weakening. And I want to be clear on my words here. I'm not. I'm saying this is what Powell thinks. And in this matter, it doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what you think. If he thinks the labor market's in good shape and he could jack rates, he's okay. jacking rates. We could argue to we're blue in the face whether it is or it isn't, but it's not going to change what he does. And that's really all I want to focus mm -hmm. on is what is he going to do? And I think, I think he's going to tell you the labor market's in good shape, yeah. which means here comes 75 in June, okay. here comes 50 in July. And then that yield curve that Cam Harvey looks at is going to flatten mm. quite a bit in the next 60 days. Okay. So that's another good call. <laughs> so two specific things if, uh, if people are just tuning in. Jim's told us that he believes that while we are facing a hawkish Fed, uh, there is potential here that at some point down the road, we'll get stability and a presence in the crypto world that actually creates this use case for these stable coins. If bonds are blown up, if stocks are blown up, it's kind of fitting a lot of these theses. But in the meantime, you're saying we need nine months of pain, basically. That kind of sounds like you have a few specific themes. One is that the yield curve on the 10 to the 30 day is going to flatten. That's a big one because it's been going straight up. And you're also saying you think stocks will remain under pressure as the Fed has to apply this kind of next big push. But it sounds like you believe there could be a kind of light at the end of the tunnel for risk assets, Jim, nine months down the road or something like that. Right. Well, let me let me let me also throw in one other thing. What is motivating the Fed here and why they're getting so aggressive? You cannot understate the impact that inflation is having on the economy mm -hmm. and that you cannot understate. You know, when people talk about is the Fed making a policy mistake? The way I like to term it is, yes, the policy mistake was last year by sticking with transitory. This year is the consequence of that policy mistake. It's already happened. Mm. And the reason that the Fed is driving so hard on this inflation problem is 40 percent of the public. I say this all the time. 40 percent of the public, according to the Fed's Consumer Finance Survey, mm -hmm. has less than a thousand dollars. All the COVID savings rent. is gone, right, Jim? They are getting killed. They are getting killed at the gas pump, yeah. at the grocery store, every time they buy stuff. You and me and most people listening to us, we have one assets. We own our homes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we see the prices go up. But I'll give you an unbelievable statistic from um, Redfin okay. from last year. Yeah, stocks according getting crushed. Redfin, yeah, according to Redfin, the median income in the United States, this is from the BLS, is $52,000. The average median income is $52,000. Last year... The median home went up $54,000. Never close to seeing that yeah, before. Wow. Your home went up more than your salary. So, yeah, why do people, why are, why are people that have means not as agitated about inflation? Because my home went up $50,000. Right, right. The stock mm. market was up 29%. You know what? I like, maybe we should have 10% inflation. Yeah. <laughs> it's treating me just well. But if you're in the 40%, you're getting annihilated. And the Fed is focusing on the 40%. Mm, yeah. That's why he says, I can raise rates without creating unemployment, and I'm going to stick it to the stock market because i got to get this inflation number <laughs> down. Hey, okay, on that, that's really, on that point, do you think he's yeah, using the stock market on purpose, Jim? Do you think he wants to yeah. use it as a prod yeah. to get people to take jobs that maybe they're not because they have assets that are inflated? Let's, let's go back and remember that uh, I always joke, 
Who are the best Fed officials to listen to? The ones that just left because they tell you what they really think instead of reading talking points. Bill Dudley wrote April 6th of last year an op-ed that said if the stock market doesn't go down, the Fed may have to force it. That was the title. <laughs> Bingo. Wow. Dudley told well, when was that? Dudley told you. That was April 6th, one month ago. Oh, that's Dudley a great one. Was, yeah, I missed that. That's great. Dudley, Dudley, just for everybody to know, he was the, the president of the New York Fed until two years ago. Before that, he was the chief economist at Goldman Sachs. He is telling you what he can say it because he's a former Fed official. Fed officials can't say it. And what did he just say? The policy of the Fed is to bring the stock market down. Wow. You want to talk about don't fight them. <laughs> that's their freaking policy. It's amazing. Right is to lower. Dude, that's the biggest quote. That I, I missed that. You, you, you nailed that. That is because that's the question right now is how much can they use that stake before it breaks? Right. And by the way, they want a reverse wealth effect. They want it. And, and I think the argument is not, will the Fed go to something breaks? You could argue that's already happened. In 2018, you had a 20% decline in the stock market, and the Fed freaked out. We had the Paul pivot in January of 2019 when he said he was going to be patient and flexible and didn't uh, do the uh, QT as nearly as much as, any, as anybody thought. You could argue that right now we have got just as much pain in the markets, 22% decline in the NASDAQ, 15% decline in the S&P through Monday's low, um, and a negative GDP. We've got as much pain in the market now as we had in the fourth quarter of 18. And that was enough to get the Fed to stop. They're going to go 50 today. So they're just getting warmed up. Mm. So what I'm dri driving with is it's not the Fed will go till something breaks. It's how many things are they going to break before they sure. stop. And the answer is going to be a plural. Well, what percent is that? I mean, all those things add up to the S&P 500. So how far can the S&P go before they say, okay, enough's enough. I mean, could they go down pretty far when we just came off record valuations? I, I, I'll tell you, I don't know. I can't give you a number like it's 25 or 30 sure. or 35%. We're at around 10. Something like that. Right. Uh, now is that 23. at the lows on Monday. Yeah. It's like 145. Uh, let me put it, the, let, let me put it, let me, let me turn it around. When, I thought Monday was a worrisome event because, yes, we were down 1.5% on the day before we turned around and finished up. But where were 10-year yields when we were down 1.5%, 3%? They did not buckle at all. Mm -hmm. So if the stock market starts going down and I look up and I see the 10-year yield plunging in a classic yeah. risk off okay. trade, then I know we've done enough. Ah, okay. What, yeah, you're what, spot on, dude. But what the market what the market told me on Monday when we were at 4060 on the S&P, we weren't even close. Mm. We weren't even close because we were bonds at, were still we, selling off. We were 299. You need to see a yeah, day where stocks sell off and off. bonds actually rally. That's when the sell off takes a break. But that's what what that is is that's the market saying, "Okay, now it's hurting. Yeah. It's hurting bad." Great point. And I'm going to go run in the bonds because that's the risk off instrument. But we didn't even see that at 4060 mm. early, the S&P 4060 earlier this mm. week. So we've got a ways to go before we get to that point. Now, other things yeah. may cause that to happen. You know, a failure of a financial firm or a blow up in a hedge fund or the economic statistics just go bad in a big way or something like that. That could cause that, that rally in the bond market. But that, to me, is the signal. 
I wake up and see that every tick, the stock market's going down. You're seeing interest rates going down in a classic risk off. Now we've gotten to the point where now we've gotten to the point where it hurts, and that's the market signal that it's hurting, and we can maybe see a turnaround from there. Excellent point. I, I love that, and you're really bringing it home specifically for what people need to be looking for to get some sense that maybe the deepest of the carnage has passed. Looking for actual bond rallying when stocks are down instead of the stocks down, bonds down that we've been getting. Uh, so, okay, Jim, you are the man. Um, I've got uh, Ophir Gottlieb who's going to join us. Jim, I'd love you to stick around uh, if you want to listen uh, sure. and, and partake because Ophir is a stock picker um, who has a wealth of information on uh, companies and uh, a huge amount of content on Twitter, basically, where he's just always putting out his analysis. Um, but uh, I've actually never even had him on the show or space or anything. Uh, Ophir, I think, is he good? Is he good? Is Ophir ready to rock and roll? You got me, Ophir? I am good. Hey. hey, Oliver. Hey, Jim. What's up, man? Um, hey. So, uh, again, Jim, uh, and thanks for people for tuning in. Um, and uh, I think it's a really historic day. I know I kind of came out of the gate pretty hot. So, uh, apologize if I got in front of you through the times there, Jim. Uh, but you made some, I think, really, um, really important things people need to think about. I mean, these points that um, potentially the direction of most pain for crypto could be sideways just when they need it. And then also that we need to look for bonds that actually get a real rally to signal maybe when the stock selling here is done. Uh, Ophir, how does your like, walk me through kind of your macro view because you're, you're a very stock specific person, but we spoke the other day and uh, you're a brilliant guy. I think you have a great macro take and I'd, uh, we'd be remiss not to hear it uh, as part of the conversation. Sure, thanks Oliver. Your energy is inspiring. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that I much. have some kombucha. Yeah, maybe a little too much. <laughs> no, perfect amount. Um, so my macro view just goes a little bit in reverse and, you know, we spoke about it. I think that some lessons were learned, uh, during the great financial crisis, which were then applied to the COVID crisis. And, you know, as things tend to go with macro, the lessons learned were sort of the wrong lessons. So we learned in the great financial crisis, first of all, that it takes congressional action and monetary policy to get out of a bad recession, right? Mm -hmm. Just let us not forget about TARP and then TARP, TARP failing in the house, then renaming TARP from the toxic asset <laughs> repurchase program to the troubled asset I guess I didn't even know that fact. Have. That's a great factoid. Yeah, I was actually on the NYC ARCA floor making markets when that vote was going oh, through wow. the first time. And what, once we hit the majority of no's, the market just fell through. That's when VIX was you going to You come from an institutional anyway. background, Ophir? Both. Yeah, mo mostly institutional. This is my first foray into retail, actually. It's been about eight years in retail. Yeah. And how, how long have you been uh, running? Before that. How, how long have you been involved in your current business? Uh, eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a, a uh, huge capacity for stocks. Um, so, yeah, the, re the reverse kind of osmosis direction for macro. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah. So, so what the Fed thought they learned... I mean, if you remember, I'm sure Jim remembers that when, you know, they called it helicopter Ben, he was printing money, blah, blah, blah. And everyone said, this is going to be the worst inflation in the history of the world, right? And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And, and the, the uh, response, so the, the recovery was really, really slow, right? I mean, really slow. I remember in 2012 and 13, which in retrospect, of course, was four years off of the bottom in jobs and in the market, people were still saying we're in a double dip recession, and we weren't. We weren't. Right. Um, so, what does the Fed do now? So, we got COVID, and this is scary. It's a pandemic. Um, we don't really know what it means. We know that people are dying, economies are getting locked down. What does it mean? We have the Spanish flu, I guess, in 1918 to look at. We're 10% of the population. I mean, we, we don't know. So, the Fed says we can't break anything, right? L look at 2007. And this could be another great financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Rates to zero in one step, um, massive, massive 
uh, monetary accommodative monetary policy. On the other side, Congress is acting, right? So we're getting we're getting congressional action. We're getting monetary policy. People are worried almost instantly. People are worried about inflation, even as we're just kind of in May of 2020. People are saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." <laughs> Uh, we're not seeing inflation. There's no reason to believe we're going to see an inflation. We learned it from the great financial crisis. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Famous last everything words. May have, everything may have been fine, but here's the problem. The Fed learned, hey, we can avert crisis with congressional action as well. We can avert crisis by firing a bazooka, like a, 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 a nuclear bazooka. <laughs> and they fired a nuclear bazooka. And they thought, we did it. And I think in, in retrospect, you look and say, well, actually... COVID wasn't that bad. I don't mean about the deaths. Please don't, you know, don't, don't miss it. I, I'm, we're talking about the markets. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic for the market. It's the best market ever. Right. <laughs> um, the, the, the economy, I mean, even it's, it's incomprehensible. They, they shut down the economy for all intents. It was states, not federal. But it, I mean, you just told people, you have a business and now you're not, not allowed to run your business. So they had to flush money into the system. And so I don't think the mistake was the bazooka. I think the mistake was that they kept firing the bazooka. At a certain point, you say, wow, we, we did it. You know, it's it's August of 2020. We're going to get through this. Mm. Stop firing the bazooka, mm -hmm. for crying out loud. Um, you, you know, I think that was the error. I don't think policy error came from the reaction. I, in fact, I, I don't even understand how someone could say that. Oh, so we were, in a pan we were in a pandemic, and people were dying, and we didn't know how bad it was going to be. Are yes. you really telling me you're worried about inflation? I mean, just stop. Yeah. You have to do it. Yeah. It's the reaction to that. Um, that so that, that's my my broad sort of lessons learned that shouldn't have been learned. And by the way, whatever we were learned this time, you know, there's another crisis coming at some point. Sure. We're gonna we're gonna apply the wrong lessons again, right? We probably won't go hard enough next time because we'll be scared of inflation. You said a really important other thing that overlaps with what Jim and I talked about earlier about the bazooka being fired too many times. Uh, in 2019, when the Fed cut rates, uh, financial conditions were very loose at the time. Uh, the bond market obviously uh, did its thing. Stocks fell and then the Fed cut. Did you think at the time that that was appropriate? Was that an extra bazooka? You know, two I think a lot of things about 2019. Um, I, I think that we cannot pretend. So I'm not going to get political. I'm going to talk about sure. a branch of the government. Sure. In 2019... The president of the United States started attacking the head of the Fed. Bingo uh, on Twitter. I don't mean. I mean. I, I don't mean with. Con I don't mean with con congressional action. I'm, I mean on. I'm just talking. Okay. Um, not that the. Ex you understand what I mean? Congressional action. Obviously, the executive branch doesn't take congressional action, but they do when they 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 own the house. Okay. So and that that scared everyone. That scared the market. Uh, that scared. I I believe that influenced the Fed. Mm -hmm. And so I think accommodative action was taken in part because of that. And again, it's, it's not about Trump. It's about just hold, hold, sure. it, in, hold office, it in your hand. The, the chair. It's the, it's the, uh, the office of the president. Mm -hmm. And so, and by For the sure. way, I'm not even, I'm, you're not I'm not, saying I'm it's not a moral bad or wrong thing. You're just saying nobody had ever seen it no, before. No. And not just that, I'll even go a step further. Maybe we would have seen it before, but Twitter didn't exist. So our, this was the first time this apparatus kind of totally. existed. And now the president okay, is doing so the, the opposite, saying that he needs to fight inflation. He's got no other tools. So is it kind of 180? Um, look, I'm gonna, since we're focusing on 2019, I'm going to say a Pandora's box was opened and there was a reaction to that Pandora's box being opened. Was that the only sure. reason the Fed went accommodative? I don't know. Mm. I mean, that, 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 I think that's a bit bold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, uh, Jim, are you still right, on? So, so I would love to see what Jim thinks about that real quick. Jim, do you think that political pressure is uh, being worked right now on the Powell? 
Oh, yeah, I definitely think it is. And I think it's the reverse political pressure that we've seen in the past. And where the pressure is, is the Democrats are telling Powell, you got to you got to make inflation go down now. And I think what the Democrats have hinted at is, Jay, if you can't make inflation go down, we're going to slap price controls on this economy. And Jay said, don't you do that. Don't you put price controls on. Those are a disaster. Mm-hmm. Let me do my thing. I'm going to go 50. I'm going to go 75. I'm going to go QT. So it, the world's upside down. We used to think the political pressure was we want the Fed to ease, ease, ease. Mm-hmm. Now the pressure's on. Jay, you got to give those 40 percent. <laughs> you have no money. Relief. Okay, you so- got to give it them relief. Before November, you got to get it to him before November. Jim, do we have to then uh, go back to the call about when stocks selling off, uh, when stocks stop selling off? Maybe it's not the bond market. Maybe it's when we hear from the administration that enough's enough. Yeah, well, if if we hear from the administrations enough, enough, then what they're saying is they don't think that the forty percent are going to are going to be bothered by inflation anymore. Problem is, if if Biden came out today and said. You know, the economy's weak and I'm worried about the economy. Jay, you got to back off of these rate hikes. The 40 percent will go apoplectic because they're getting annihilated. And the only reason they're not in the streets with pitchforks and torches Mm -hmm. is because there is people that are at least saying they're doing something about it. Right. Yeah. If they stop doing something about it because, God forbid, the stock market go down some more, Mm. that could be the game changer. So I don't think they're going to do it. But this is upside down. When we always talked about political independence of the Fed, we never thought that they'd have to be protected against politicians demanding that they raise rates. But that's where we that's where we are right now in this upside down world. Um, Thank you for chiming in. So, Ophir, I mean, how does one like try and pick a stock if it's going to be cut basically one of two ways in a market, one that does good inflation and rates keep going higher or the opposite? I mean, it feels like our market's pretty bifurcated, but we're slowly losing that bifurcation and turning into like outright selling. So how do you even find stocks when breath has been going down for a year? Yeah, um, I'll just add one last thing to macro. And then sure. um, I, don't, I think that there's been a lot of discussion about what, not what Powell will do today, but what he will say, you know, right about the future. I think we're kind of agreed, but what happens today? It's 50 today watch it'll be 75 um but i just remember that okay take politics out of it and take um just 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 they're doing this to 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 chill out inflation Mm -hmm. right there is something else that could happen right inflation could go down and i know i know that we want to see many things and that the fed could be motivated by many things and maybe there's political pressure it's the 40 percent who aren't benefiting as long as jobs are strong, Powell can stay, he can stay heavy. But, you know, there's another thing that will make Powell back off. It's as if it's working. And I just think that there's this overwhelming uh, sort of, oh, let's call it anxiety. This overwhelming anxiety right. about what is motivating the Fed and what will make the Fed go worse. And, and guys, just like, can we just take one step back? If inflation goes down, the Fed will stop. Mm, you think that so? doesn't mean that's the only thing that will. Yes, but to like what level? If inflation goes down. Down like as a direction or to a certain point? Does it have to get down to you know two, three, something? What do you think? I don't know. Right. I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna start. So before I start throwing out project, projections, I'm gonna say very 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 much like that. Right. Okay. So if inflation starts going, and now that doesn't mean that if inflation goes down a little bit, then he's like, oh, we're done. I mean, come on, that's not what I'm sure. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm just saying that if there's evidence that it's working then that, that is the point of this, right? If we get out of sort of um, 
a situation where maybe we're getting a little paranoid. Not that anyone on this call has been paranoid. I'm just talking broadly. Um, if there's mm-hmm. a sort of paranoia, what the Fed's motivations are, kill the market, um, you know, uh, g- make the midterm elections be better for Democrats. I don't know. Inflation goes down, he chills out. By chill out, I don't mean stops. I just mean he chills out. And we have some evidence that inflation might, might be cooling. Not enough data <laughs> to impact his words today, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But we do have some data. Mm-hmm. Right, trimmed mean PCE was at three point one percent in March, down from six point three percent. Do you look at commodities over there? What about crude, natural gas, all this other stuff in the commodity space is still like breaking out. Okay, it it won't be everything all at once, Mm -hmm. right? What we had was everything all at once going up. Now we have not everything all at once going up. That's how it changes, right? Mm -hmm. Transportation capacity increased for the first time in two years from the logistics managers index that just came Mm -hmm. out. Transportation prices declined. Is that crude? No, that's not crude. The Mannheim used car index is down again. It's down again. Mm. Used cars were the biggest part of inflation, at least for one part of it. Obviously, it's not the part that the Fed is so focused on. I'm just, just, just some things like core, core PCE. I mean, this is a big, um, I'm going to say rolled over and then put in air quotes. I mean, it went, for, it went from 5.3% to 5.2%, but it finally turned. And that 5.3% was revised. That was 54 was revised. Just, mm. I'm just saying that some things could actually be working. So you probably would want to be long growth up. stocks and be higher beta again if you think that inflation is peaking. Is that where it takes you from a stock perspective? Yes, or if you believe it could peak, right? Okay. I mean, it doesn't have to be a catastrophe. Everything doesn't have to be a catastrophe. Sure. The market doesn't have to go down 80%. I know growth stocks are down 80%. The rest of the market doesn't have to go down 80%. It, the rates don't have to go up to 5%. Um, it won't, you don't, unemployment doesn't have to go to seven before the Fed break. Just, just hold on, just, just hold mm. on. They're doing this because inflation is out of control. Okay. Do you do you think that it's comp- mostly mostly because of them, but not all because right, of them? Yeah. Just come I on. Agree. Some things some things are transient. Transience is in the eye of the beholder. What do they say in economics? Say what's the short term? And an economist will say everything shorter than the long term. Okay. Well, what's the long term? Well, it's everything longer than the short term. Well, transience is somewhere in between there. Transience doesn't mean today. Was it as transient as they thought? No, come on. That ship has sailed. I'm not trying to right. go backwards and say it is transient. It, it hasn't right. been. And now, um, Some things are. Do you think the inflation data you mentioned is compelling enough to start taking a shot at that kind of high beta bounce back then? So I don't. So I have a trading account and I have an investing account. In my investing account, I buy on a schedule. I expedite that schedule, right? Or I slow it or retard it, right? Based upon some feelings around macro. I believe now is an okay time to buy growth stocks, but not not if you're going to look in August. No. Mm. I wouldn't buy now for a three-month trade. Okay. No, I wouldn't. So how long? Uh, you think you've got to be ready for like a big, uh, long holding period or what? I think it's always a long holding period. That's why you make money owning stocks, right? It's not, it's not there is no free lunch. I mean, it's, I, I can throw out a bunch of, um, you know, sort of uh, um, overused phrases, right? <laughs> I, I'm gonna try not to be, mm-hmm. uh, I'll be colloquial, but not not overly. Um, I, how about this? Look at a stock. Okay, uh, we can talk about high pick stocks. Just look at a stock, just pick one. Okay, a growth stock. Mm-hmm. But uh, a few things, okay, let's start with cash flow positive. Okay, just come on. Like, okay, let's start. Okay, so that's okay. the baseline. It's do gotta you, be cash flow positive to own the stock. That's your baseline. Okay, do, do you think the stock today will be, the stock price today, look at it, to the penny, will it be higher or lower 
and on this date in 2024. Mm -hmm. 2024. That's okay. a good place to start. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So it's you have a two-year horizon you're thinking about. I actually have a five to ten year horizon, okay. but I, but but a five to ten year horizon doesn't doesn't feel very good if you think in two years things will be lower. Well, okay, start your five ten, to ten year horizon two years later. So that's what I'm doing. I look at a company, I forget how I chose it, and I go, it, okay, it's a hundred dollars. I'm just make up a number, right? It, and it was probably if it's a growth stock, it was probably five hundred dollars. Right now it's one hundred dollars. Right. Do you think okay, some of this stuff is down eighty percent? Is 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 going to zero, or is that a minefield? Or do you think most of them will sort of plateau? Some will go to zero. Mm. Yeah. Some what about Lyft? Do you think Lyft's going to zero? Uh, pardon me? What about Lyft? What do you think about Lyft? Got cream today. So, okay, I don't follow Lyft and Uber. I will tell you just from a, a very, uh, let's call sure. it a, an incidental interaction with it because okay. it has some yeah, data however that it I might want. fit so into your, yeah, however it might connect with you. Yeah, so it's incidental. I see a company, and we've seen many of these, right? I was, I was licensed back in 1998 or 1999 when this was starting to happen. There are some businesses you look at where like, if you couldn't make money in the best time ever, then how are you going to make money when it's not the best time ever? As far as I know, I haven't looked at Lyft's most recent report. It looks like, I think, they're charging about $20 a mile? $20 a yeah. mile. Uh, sorry, $20 a gallon. Pardon me, a mile. That would be awesome. Um, and if they can't make money there, they, like they, yeah, they have to endorse, they have to, they have to sort of, they have to, um, incentivize drivers then you're not going to make money right and for, even if you do it's kind of obvious do, how, how much, well how much money will you make i mean a three percent operating margin well that's not very interesting either so it's not just make money it's make substantial money mm -hmm. right so again i'm not i don't have therefore have a comment on lift i'm just saying i can use some like incidental data sure. you look no, at a company no, like, no, oh, I like, like this, this doesn't look this doesn't this doesn't look like it's going to make me a lot of money <laughs> it's a so, common sense perspective that i think you're very accurate on frankly I mean, so so that that's my response. Yeah. And for anyone who's long lift and has a really great <laughs> bullish thesis, yeah, I, I, I'm not the guy to argue with. Your your bullish thesis will bowl me over. I'll be like, I, I don't know. I didn't know any of these hey, things. Hey, we're almost out of time. Ophir, uh, give us a, what's like a stock that you like? What's what's right now you think actually makes sense? Well, um, I will give you one, but I'll, I'll tell you how I got okay. there. I'll go quickly. Yeah, no problem. Um, generally, I'm looking for companies that are in a growing thematic or trends. Thematic is now like a four-letter four word, so we'll go back to the word trend. Okay, a growing trend. That's not hard to find growing trends. They're all over the place. Okay, I, you need to understand what is changing in that thematic. Okay, Understand what is not changing in that thematic or trend, so I'll use the word trend. But then what you really have to do is you have to see, is either of those underappreciated? Is, is the thing that's changing underappreciated? Is the thing that's not changing underappreciated? Oftentimes, it's what's not changing that's underappreciated. Okay. Yep. And, and if so find a company, find a company that can do that, invest in that. Um, obviously, if you do some company-specific analysis, right? That's kind of the harder part. But, you know, so you're bottom, bottom, bottom up, right? Getting the top of the pyramid. And then add a few things. Like, it would be great if their business actually was thrust forward by the pandemic. It would be great if they weren't in direct line of sight of the megas. It would be great if they had positive cash from operations, at least, if not actual free cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, so so, so what, what, what fits those? I'll just go quickly. Mm -hmm. I think internet infrastructure. I don't know stock prices suck. Akamai I think just internet infrastructure... Blasted. Yeah, but, but Akamai, Akamai is in a highly competitive in a highly competitive field, right? Which is in direct line of sight of the megas. Mm. Um, mm. So, and also, there's nothing about Akamai's business, as far as I can see it, as it's currently constituted. It's not really a software-defined network, right? It's not. Uh, well, how is that reflect reflecting what is changing in the industry? It isn't. It doesn't. What's changing in the industry is people want 
I don't mean to go here, but they want their edge cloud or they want their CDN to be at least software defined, <laughs> at least. Um, and so I would say there's an overappreciation for Akamai. <laughs> In other words, I don't want it. Yeah, okay. But I could look at other companies that are doing that, that that are addressing what's changing. Anyway, the yeah. company I was going to say, the reporting earnings today, which is fantastic, nice. because, yeah, because I can get trolled really well soon, um, is DigitalOcean, okay? It's a central yeah. cloud provider. It has free cash flow. It's trading at 20 times 2024 earnings. It has earnings now. It, it, that, those earnings from 2023 to 24 are growing 70% year over year. Revenue is growing 30 percent year over year um this is a company trading at a, to me a reasonable valuation which has great growth capabilities it was thrust forward by the thrust forward by the pandemic mm -hmm. you know i'm not going to get into company specific details but you know I, I speak to the ceo every quarter he has his head on straight uh, so yeah i want to be Mar, right? i want to be an internet uh, yeah he was on market on close we had him uh, uh april last month actually on earnings um, Chris Moore, right? Uh, OCFC? No, no, no. The 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 CEO of DigitalOcean. OCN is the ticker. DLC. Yeah, yeah, Dancy Sproul. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's just an example. And by the way, I think the internet infrastructure growing is. <laughs> you can look at the companies that sell software. I know SaaS is definitely a four-letter word, um, both literally and figuratively. Um, but there are some companies which provide a very certain thing to internet infrastructure which will also benefit. I mean, the internet hasn't stopped for crying out loud. In fact, AWS beat, AWS, not Amazon, AWS beat, GCP beat, Azure beat, AMD beat in their cloud area. Like, come on now, the cloud is growing. Uh, it is outperforming even estimates. It seems to be the infinity market. Of course it's not, don't actually take that literally, please. But AWS is still growing over 30% compounded growth on a massive, massive yeah, scale. Anyway. There are places to make money. There are places their companies will make money. And if you're a partial owner of that company, you too will make money. Uh, Digital Ocean, D-O-C-N, uh, you like, uh, it's been pretty beat up. So you're basically buying a 52-week lows. Which, I, which, by the way, doesn't matter to me either. I wouldn't buy a company because it's at a 52-week low, yeah. or I would not buy a company. I, I would buy it if it's 20 times earnings in 2024, growing those earnings 70% year over year, yeah. a free cash flow positive. I'd, I'd buy that. I think it definitely – In a total yeah. adjustable – I mean, it fits into your macro. In a total adjustable market, market that's huge. You're, what you told us yeah, earlier about inflation, absolutely. I mean, that, that connects perfectly. If you think that the peak inflation story is, is enough right now to cool off some of this recent narrative, then the growth basically beta plays, which you want to take a stab at. I'll give, I'll give you one. Okay, yeah. So oh. Eric Schmidt said er, Eric Schmidt said this thing, okay? And I don't think he meant it quite literally, so I don't, you know, but but it's been, and it's been rehashed as though he meant it literally, but I'm, I'm going to say it and, and, and say it wasn't quite literal. He said, from the dawn of civil, this is in 2010, okay? He said, from the dawn of civilization to 2003, 5X, I'm not going to give you the number. The same amount of data that was created from the dawn of, dawn of civilization 2003 was created in two days. Okay, that was in 2010. Okay. That same amount of data was created every 45 minutes last year. Wow. The amount of data. Okay, so so what does that mean? What do you need to do with data? We well, need to store it, fine. Everybody knows Snowflake. I, I'm not talking about Snowflake. Okay. okay. But you have to do more than that. What happens when you have Word docs, Excel files, PowerPoints, Google Sheets, Google Docs, audio only, video, uh, um, uh, learning algorithm results, right? Images which have text in them or context. Yep. You have to be able to search it for crying out loud. What are you going to do? You're not going to look at it all. 
of course you have to store it. What are you going to do after you store it? Well, if you can't, if you can search it, then you can observe it and you can log it. Bingo. Then you can put it into an artificial intelligence mechanism that helps you grow your business, right? Okay. That is getting bigger. What is that stock? Data, data is the best thematic ever. I guarantee you, how about this? No one can guarantee anything. I guarantee you there will be more data now than there was one second ago. <laughs> and I guarantee you that will compound every second until the, the earth ends. I guarantee it, 100% guarantee it. There's more data now than when I said it just five seconds. All right, so who's the company that's taking it. all that data? That's a good question. I hope somebody figures it out. <laughs> all right, cool, man. Thank you for joining Ophir. Uh, really good, good to have you. I like that uh, connection from your macro view into the, into the you know, stab on uh, DigitalOcean. Uh, Ophir Agalad, thanks for coming on, man. Um, hey, uh, uh, Jim, thank you as well.